0: There was once when we did Saturday Night Night Live and Christopher Walken was the host. Amazing.
1: He asked us if the accent was on Foo or Fighters. We said, uh, the accent is on Fighters, actually. He goes up, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. (laughs)
0: I'm Chris Walken. I'm hosting Saturday Night Live this week with musical guest Foo Fighters. I don't know why, but I I assumed that you were Chinese. Hey, you're listening to Sunday Groove on Lilo Podcasting Network. I'm your host, David Sunday. I'm back with another show talking about Foo Fighters. As you can tell last month, I love the band. Um, Excited anytime they do anything, whether it's just a new track or whether it's a, I don't know, anything new from them, I get excited. So they dropped a new album on the 5th of February, Medicine at Midnight. Once again, I'm not here alone. I have my friend Andy Haleen. How are you, man? Man,
1: I am so hyped up to talk about this album. Uh, thanks for having me back.
0: Of course, man. I'm I'm always happy to have you on the show, and I've been so hyped for this album because what was it? Maybe like a month and a half ago they released "Shame Shame," something like that.
1: Yeah, I think it was around Thanksgiving. Something. Like oh wow. That. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, because I remember it being that was the first um, song they released from it, and um, that was before they had said when the album was coming out um so yeah there's been a kind of a slow build and then they started to get building a little bit more momentum momentum by releasing more songs from it um but thankfully that time has gone by and there's a whole album um so we're going to do something different this episode whereas the kind of the whole episode is going to be current spins but I kind of want to flip the show a little bit and do the main topic at the start of the show. So we're going to go straight in and do a Medicine at Midnight review. And then the um, second part of the show will be kind of just current spins in general. So, um, so Andy, uh, what, what was your anticipation for this album? Was this something that you were uh, prior to like Shame, Shame, to, Like, Did you know the album was recorded? Did you know much leading up to it? Um, I remember about this time last
1: year, they were talking about, because 2020 was supposed to be their 25th anniversary, so they Mm -hmm. were doing a tour, uh, called the Van Tour, and I think they were gonna try to, um, I think they were gonna recreate, uh, the initial tour that they did for the first album, where they were playing, like, um, I think, like, Um, small clubs or something in those towns. Well, now they were going to play arenas in those towns, but then it was like right as soon as they announced it, the world kind of shut down and they canceled the tour, or I think they were going to postpone it to December. And then uh, so that's everything got put on hold. I think even the talks of the album too, because I think it might have been finished at that time as well. So everything got pushed back for those guys. So it kind of built – Uh, some hype or whatever, because I'm like, okay, I'm hoping these guys are still going to release something. And then you had Taylor Swift doing, like, surprise albums. So I was like, man, it seems like – I think I was even texting you one time. I was like, it seems like Dave Grohl would be the type of guy who would just, like, drop an album just because he's Dave Grohl. But then I think – Right. I think we were texting, and it's like, well, he's still on a major label, so he's probably tied to, like, whatever promotion – they want to do for it otherwise he'd probably just drop it like you know the next day or something
0: right kind of like how he did those random um hanukkah sessions that were just like out of nowhere um and that was dropped daily um
1: um yeah or even like i think they something a couple years ago where they were gonna play like Lollapalooza or something in chicago they did a surprise show at like a venue uh like some little tiny club in Chicago, Metro or something. I think, like, two days before it, they're like, hey, tickets are going on sale tomorrow for our show, like, a few days later, and it sold out
0: in, like, a minute. <laughs> right. Well, I don't – do you remember um, the Waste and Light era? Like, there was – I think that was when they were booking themselves as the Holy Shits, and they would um, do little club shows, and they, um, so people didn't actually initially, like – cause like social media was around, but it wasn't quite as big, or maybe that was two thousand and seven. there was some at point in there they did some small shows. Oh no, I uh, didn't but,
1: know that, but you just like reminded me of something else. It might have been the wasting light uh, uh promotion um run, but it was either mm-hmm. you or another friend of mine, Brock, uh that told me that they had uh done like some contest where they were playing people's garages.
0: Yes, they did do that. I watched. Yeah. Every single one of those on YouTube, they're probably still there, but yeah, uh, um, it was really cool because like even a couple of them, they had people jam with them, yeah. Um, and they like, one was a barn show, which was uh, probably one of the better ones. There were a bunch of people um, out there in the barn, and one guy got to play guitar on a couple songs.
1: Yeah, so it's like I guess they're like a huge band, but they still try to get in touch with that smaller side. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, I guess, separates them
0: from other artists. Right. Um Sorry, what you said just made me think of that. That's um but that's probably <laughs> too far of a tangent to go back to those days, but it, it if oh, you're no, a fan like us, um <laughs> definitely check out like it's, it's probably like wasting Light Garage Tour or something like that or a house tour. Uh, like I, said, I think there are like 4 or 6 of them. Um
1: I'll have to look up yeah. the holy shits though. or at least beep that out. The holy beeps. <laughs>
0: I think that was them because I I think Soundgarden was New Dragon I think is what they uh, did theirs under and they did a couple surprise shows um, but yeah I could be completely wrong on that name I probably am but uh, somebody's definitely booked under that before Um, so yeah I remember some point I read that they'd record the new album back like in February of last year they finished it and uh, it was right before shame shame came out and I was really irritated that they were delaying and i was like i kind of need some new music and then they finally put out shame shame and it was one of those things where it took me a bit to really get into it and i eventually did um but i i now like listening to some recent interviews i understand why dave did what he did because he wanted to surprise people um with a different side because um, he was like If i just just uh, thrown out No Son of Mine initially Then everybody You know Just like Yeah it's different But it's still Kind of a typical Foo Fighters song So he's like He really wanted To get people's attention That hey This is going to be Very different um,
1: um, Yeah because I think um, Yeah the last couple albums It's like Their first like single Is always The big rock song Like The Pretender mm-hmm. Or like Rope was the first one or what was that? Um, from Sonic highways, uh, you you had something from nothing. nothing. So yeah, it's always that in your face, like song. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I can see why he would do that too.
0: Well, yeah. Even going back to, uh, all my life, you know, back in one by one era. Um, so yeah, it was definitely always the punch in the face kind of rock song. And, um, so yeah, this time he was just like, no, let's do something totally different. Show people a different side. And did you watch uh, both that and the um, new version of times like these? They did. I still
1: actually didn't see the Saturday night live performances, but I did see the Joe Biden like inauguration where they did like times like these. Right. So it would have been about the same. I think. Right. It was kind of slowed
0: down. Yeah, Slowed Down, uh, Remy Jaffe was kind of more featured like on yeah. his keyboards and stuff. Yeah, it's probably the same thing. I know Dave kind of gets on a kick for a little while there and he'll do a certain style of songs, uh, of reimaginings of songs, kind of like how they did uh, for Skin and Bones. But um, I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, I guess um we can just tackle the album song by song because it's, it's a short album um, that was initially... One of the things other than the anticipation of the album and not knowing when it was going to come out was when I found out it was only nine tracks, I was pretty disappointed uh, because that's a pretty short album. Kind of brings back memories of uh, Sonic Cowboys because that was only eight songs. Um, But as the songs came out, I was, you know, I'm like, well, all of the songs have been strong so far. So if they're all good, then I guess nine songs is okay. Oh, Um, yeah. Uh, trim the fat i guess right um so yeah the start the first single was shame shame then um, later they released no son of mine and then maybe a month after that they put out um waiting on a war um and so they they were definitely trying to show the different sides in the anticipation of the album even though they kept calling it a kind of party album they were showing that it wasn't just a party album so, I know when we talked off-air a while back, you weren't crazy about the first three tracks. Did they ever grow on you?
1: Um, yeah, like, I'll say, yeah, shame, shame. Um, it was different, but it didn't really do a lot for me, but it, it's weird. It didn't do a lot for me, but it didn't, like, dilute, like, my hype for the album, because I still wanted a new Foo Fighters album, because I know that sometimes um, if you're... Really don't have high expectations or something, you might end up being surprised, and they always usually kind of deliver like something good, you can count on them. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think each of the three songs, I kind of got um, a little bit more into it each time, like because, like, the No Son of Mine was all right, but it kind of had like a Romstein, like a Duhas kind of chug, uh, <laughs>
0: that's right, yeah. to
1: it. But then I liked. Um, the Waiting on a War, because it's kind of like a slow burn song where it kind of sounds kind of like repetitive, but then it kind of really kicks in and like picks up as it goes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you're saying, they each kind of bring something different, uh, like a different flavor to the album.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, and so I know when I, I, the day it came out, I listened to this album a lot of times. And uh, so Making a Fire um, it's not one of my favorites, but I still like it. Um, and it's, uh, still a good bit of fun. Um, is there anything in that track that stands out to you?
1: Uh, like for me, um, that's one that like, I wasn't really sure how I felt about how I was really going to feel about the album though. Like once I heard that, cause it was like, it almost sounded to me, um, like, did you see him on the concrete and gold, like tour at all? uh unfortunately no uh they had some like they had three ladies doing like backing vocals for all the songs to kind of fill out the sound and make it sound like the album uh Mm -hmm. so like they kind of fit in with that but this one sounded like that making a fire i heard the backing vocals and it sounded like i guess my initial reaction was i was like okay they're trying to force these backing singers into this like song or something like that like like they're trying to bring it more to the forefront, but well, that was my initial reaction, but now I don't mind it. Like I'm kind of like, okay, that's kind of something different for that song, uh, and I guess it still sets it apart from the other ones. Oh, for sure. I didn't know if that was going to be like that on all the other songs. I'm like, uh, that might not like totally work for me, but
0: right, it's fine. So, yeah, Shame, Shame is one I've listened to a ridiculous amount of time because for a while it was our only one we had of new songs from them, and um, it really grew on me. And um, now my new little gimmick I like to do is to kind of uh, make a crazy guitar solo face just on uh, when it's probably like three minutes in, they start doing the... you i uh, just occasionally to kind of accent it and add a little something because there's not a room to play not a lot of room to play around with guitar stuff on that song like it's just pretty um basic um but do you know what i'm talking about like the john mayer face whenever he does a solo or um a lot of guitarists um this is more of a visual thing i guess <laughs> that i'm saying so it's probably not gonna yeah or like i guess
1: the great affairs like um, the one guy that was a guitar player, Patrick Like my friend Dustin would always say It's like the Patrick face Like he's doing his guitar face
0: Right <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of guitar But yeah, that's kind of been my little fun thing Is I do it for myself Where I'll sing the little part that he That they do on the guitar It's just kind of, I don't know I entertain myself with weird things um, So do you have any thoughts to add on Shame Shame Or anything about Shame Shame you want to talk about? Um, it's kind of like,
1: uh, the making a fire song. Like I didn't like it at first, but then within the context of the album, I'm like, eh, it's not as bad. Like, you know, I'm um, going through it, like, uh, track by track, I guess. Like it kind of grew on me.
0: Right. Yeah. To me, it kind of makes me think of kind of like a, um, and I don't, I can't explain it. So it's, um, probably it might not. Uh, like, resonate with anybody, but like, it kind of makes me think of a Prince song, but like, not even particular Prince song, but just kind of like he's doing a Prince thing, even though he's not doing the Prince vocals or anything. There's just something about it. The vibe of the song reminds me of something I've heard in some Prince music. Um, yeah, like,
1: I guess for me, too, it was uh, I would I was making some Instagram posts getting hyped for Foo Fighters, like, posting some um, I think I posted a photo of the poster I have on my wall. Then the next day I made a little collage thing on Instagram of like um, um, when I saw Foo Fighters in Chicago and had some photographs. And the, and so I was just getting like hype for the album. Well, then the day that it came out, I didn't really get a chance to sit with it and I knew I wouldn't uh, until like Saturday um, because – At work, I'm on my feet a lot, and so music... Like, I'll listen to music all the time, but it's not something I'm focusing on. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to give it, like, proper attention. So I listened to it on Saturday when I was in my car driving, and I had the full um, drive to soak it in. Um, But Friday morning when it came out, uh, a bunch of friends of mine had been texting me, uh, like, well, I don't know how I feel about this new Foo Fighters album. It's not doing anything for me. So I guess... And uh, then on Saturday, when I was listening to it, and you got "Making a Fire" as the first song, then "Shame Shame" comes on as the second one. I guess I'm maybe in a little part of my mind was trying to pick it apart and and not want to like it because other people weren't liking it, but it it kind of grew on me. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, I know when the first text you sent me was uh, that you really dug um, weren't crazy about the first three, but then you kind of. Yeah fell in love with the other, the later ones. Um, So one, the third track is one that like I enjoyed from the get go. It wasn't one of my favorites, but it was uh, a lot of fun and it's cloud spotter. I have no clue what the song is about. Uh, It honestly (laughs) sounds kind of nonsensy with the lyrics, at least the lyrics I can understand. I haven't actually looked up the lyrics to see that I'm probably wrong on a bunch of them, but there's a really weird thing about the song that I don't know if you have caught, like, um, like, during the verses, he'll be like, cloud spotter, and then he'll do a spoken word, cloud spotter. Like, did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes me laugh every single time. Like, <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. It's not not even like his normal speaking voice. It's like he does it a little low, <clears throat> a little lower than his typical speaking voice, and it's just, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> whose idea was this to, to do the... Let's you know be singing kind of soulful with a female vocalist, and then Cloud Spotter, Cloud Spotter. <laughs> um, but it just makes me lo- like I don't know. It's still uh, I actually really like the track, but that's just something that's kind of a bizarre choice for me. It's like like yeah, Dave, just do a spoken word backing vocal. <laughs> um, um, you know, that's
1: something uh, that that Cloud Spotter song was yeah like how I. S- I guess I told you the first three songs. I was kind of like eh, at first, and then the back half kind of like really kicked in. Mm-hmm. I feel like Cloud Spotter is one of those examples of how, like, before the album came out, they're like, "Oh, it's going to be a dance rock album." That's like the dance rock track. I feel like, and oh yeah, um, is that something that like I got a vibe? Like, I guess I haven't, um, I haven't listened to the album in like two years. Uh, since we talked about Queen, uh, but like I only listened to it like once um, through. But is that something that's kind of like a Hot Space kind of track? Um,
0: well, it's not as '80s as that, because um, uh, <laughs> because uh, Hot Space was like the only Queen album, thankfully, that uh, had the like the most '80s sounding yeah. thing. Like they gave into the trends too much and had the very electric drums and
1: or like the um, game or something it could have fit like in in there maybe
0: so um i haven't actually listened to those in so long it's hard for me to remember exactly but yeah um i, I don't know how to describe it like it's um i mean it's got some like woodblock or cowbell kind of make and that's not cowbell, it's a wood block in the background too which is interesting um and like towards the end then he starts like just screaming and they kind of like rock it out like it reminds me of like white limo at the very end of it. Yeah. Um but I don't know, it's definitely going for a dance thing and definitely an older sound. Um without completely losing rock. Yeah. Uh well I guess
1: here's here's one thing too that uh kind of like threw me off. Um is how, like, yeah, like you had, um, saw that too, where it's going to be, uh, like a dance rock album. And they really specifically called out, what was it? Let's Dance by David Bowie. Yes. Um, I feel like, sure, it's like kind of, this is kind of like Medicine at Midnight is like a full blown, almost pop album, um, for them. Um, but I feel like the only song that really, uh, that description was the title track yeah and it's like i wonder if maybe they described the album to somebody and used the david bowie thing and said that um song as an example and then the media or whoever was interviewing at the time just kind of zeroed in on that it's like okay it's david bowie this album is going to be all like david bowie when it's really not but they just needed something to uh for a headline or something.
0: Well, even Dave himself, like has said that in multiple interviews too. Um, Like he, for whatever reason, like, honestly, it was like, he kind of misdescribed the album because yeah, I mean, I've never listened to the whole let's dance, but album, but um, it's not like the whole album has an eighties vibe or it's not like every song is dancing. So I don't know. Um, It's definitely something they latched on to it and just kept consistent with their, (laughs) uh, reviews description of it
1: yeah like maybe he had to oversell it or something or or like whatever i don't know but uh i guess i was expecting something else and then i didn't get that and i'm like well like i guess that's better because this has more flavor than just being a straight up david bowie thing
0: right oh yeah um
1: And I, oh, I'm sorry to go back to this as well too, but thinking about the David Bowie comparison, it had me reflecting back on Concrete and Gold, which is another album of theirs that was kind of uh, maybe hit or miss for some people. Mm -hmm. And that one, in the um, interviews uh, that I read for that one, he said it was going to be Motorhead meets Beatles. So in my mind, my wheels in my mind started turning and I'm thinking like, Oh my God, this is going to be like this super <laughs> huge, like sounding album, but that's kind of an unfair description, too, because really a couple songs only sounded like that, too.
0: Yeah, only like Run kind of had a Motorhead thing occasionally, and there were maybe a couple other tracks, but like really with me on that album, it made me think more of Pink Floyd in moments, yeah. um, with the ominous, uh, guitars and, um, the backing like layers of backing vocals and all that kind of stuff. Um, Oh dude, I didn't even think of that, uh, Pink Floyd comparison,
1: but Concrete and Gold almost has that kind of like, welcome to the machine almost kind of
0: droning thing. So yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not something I noticed throughout the whole album, but definitely the, the track Concrete and Gold is definitely, yeah, uh, very much a Pink Floyd sounding song. Um,
1: um, good to hear, man, Because I didn't even think that till you just said that. Now,
0: oh wow! Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one that's like I've not listened to a ton of Pink Floyd, but um, I definitely know kind of their typical sound. And um, even though I know they've done all kinds of stuff, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm weird about like I, I'll zero in on something that I'll just catch. I can't always put it into words, but like I, I'm like that definitely makes me think of this. Um. So then it gets us to track four, Waiting on a War. Um, I'm. It depends on the mood I'm in, if I like that song. Hmm. like I like it as a song. I think it's a good song. But I think after listening to it so many times, it was one I kind of started skipping. Um, is that one that's grown on you or lessened on you or about stayed the same? That's one that like...
1: It stayed the same. I think it's a good, like, single, too. Probably mm. one of their best, uh, like, singles uh, since the, um, I would say since Wasting Light. Not that, like, uh, something from Nothing or anything from Concrete and Gold didn't stand out, but I feel like it's more, uh, like, it stands out more to me or something. Because, like, cause, like, something from Nothing and Run were kind of, like, how we already talked about it. They were kind of maybe the same or the big like rock song vibe. Whereas like mm-hmm. this one, I was kind of like, okay, I wasn't expecting them to put out something like this. Right.
0: No, it's a great track. It's just, I, I mean, I'd probably no exaggeration. I've probably listened to the album cause it's short about 20 times by now. Like it's <laughs> yeah, just one of those things I've listened to a ton. Cause like the day it came out, um, I had to, uh, work from home I had car trouble and um luckily I feel that I was able to to do um work from home and so like in between a little breaks I had more breaks than I guess I would have or maybe not more breaks but I could use my headphones where I can't do that at work um because I wouldn't hear phone calls and stuff like that but I would I don't know having the good headset on the whole day listening to it I was just really rocking out to it and really uh, noticing everything about every track um I guess it's kind of similar if you have a good stereo. Um, I don't have that great of a stereo, so I a lot of times just listen to uh, with my nice Bluetooth headsets. Um, and so I guess it kind of helps me pick the songs apart, and that kind of led to me just listening to the albums more and more and more because it was just available. Um, so the first track that like I think is just like groundbreaking and so different for them is Medicine at Midnight, the title track i adore that track like i um from the time i heard it like it just became the one that i've listened to probably the most um at least of once the album came out like i've put it on several playlists it's just something i go back to a lot um i know you mentioned it kind of has um kind of a Oh, no. what what did you what would you say about it you can um. like
1: that one is like for me that one hits the mark uh for the description of the David Bowie like let's dance because it's got like to me I don't I get lost trying to describe guitar tone um, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe that but to me that has that kind of uh the same tone and the sparseness of the uh playing. In the lead, I guess, as uh, that "Let's Dance" like song, where it's Stevie Ray Vaughan's playing it, I think it, or it might have been somebody like Carlos Alomar or something, one of those guys. They're like playing guitar, and that is definitely that like it hits the mark for the David Bowie thing. So yeah, it it really stands out, and it it kind of captures what they were going for, I guess.
0: Hmm. and it has the extra percussion. Like it's still got a solid drum track, but it's also or a drum recording from Taylor, but there's other stuff going on too. And there was one thing I noticed on there was when there's a the guitar solo, um, it kind of reminds me of the guitar solo. And it makes me think of something Gary Clark Jr. would have done. Um, yeah, that's the Stevie the, Ray Vaughan part, I guess, that they were
1: right. going for. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I adore that one. It's just fun to dance to. And to me, it has one of the best vocals, um, from him on the album, the second verse, uh, like, he just gets so, like, emphatic, but almost, like, soulful. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, yeah. I'll remember. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to do it. But, <laughs> uh, but it's just so, uh, I don't know, it's something different from him. Like, it's not something I hear on many songs. Like, he does this. You get the screaming Dave on some songs. You get the kind of more melodic. But that this was just, like, soul um, coming from him, and uh, I, I loved it.
1: Yeah, you kind of reminded me of something too with his different uh, inflection or singing style. Maybe why I like uh, The Waiting on a War was because in the lead up to this album, like at work and even like after work, I was listening to, uh, like, I got a CD, like a pirated copy of, uh, what is it, something they released, Metis, or I mean,. Um, I was going to say medicine, but it's medium um, rare with covers. And then mm-hmm. I was listening to uh, like word for word and like his like vocal style where he's like word for word for word is the same as a waiting on a war. It kind of, he kind of hits the same kind of inflection in that too. So maybe that's why I,
0: I kind of gravitated to
1: that song on the new album too.
0: I haven't thought about that song in a long time. It was one I was a lot higher on than a lot of people. Cause I mean, it's not much to the lyrics, but it's a fun song. Um, and it was just one of the extra tracks that are new tracks they added to their. Um, yeah, I think it, it kind of gets
1: kind of lost in the shuffle. Maybe that one and like wheels. I think those are solid songs. But yeah, they're mm-hmm. just kind of to some people. They might be like extra throwaway songs.
0: Right. Yeah. Wheels, he played a lot um, at that era. I know he did at, at the show I saw him at and uh, on the Wasting Light tour. Um, but yeah, I don't think I ever saw him footage of him doing word for word. Mm. So that's a good callback. Actually. I'm glad you mentioned that one. Um, but yeah, sorry I, to I take don't... us
1: off the track though, I guess. I no, it's okay.
0: Uh, yeah. "Mess at midnight. I just think, um, that's just one of his best vocals ever. Um, uh, mentioned in my last episode. I, I loved it when he covered, uh, maybe I'm amazed because he added some, I don't know. It's just a little different, different type of vocal from him that I didn't even know he was a, capable of yeah so um you say no son of mine um are you strong on that song um
1: it's all right like it's got that like i said like the do hosty kind of thing it's the only way i know to describe that song but um i feel like too like i haven't actually looked at all of the lyrics uh, but that sounds like a totally political-driven like song.
0: Yes. And yes, we so all we know Dave's politics
1: first. too, so it's not really hard to infer, or like what he means behind it.
0: You know, it's so funny. I just because it was a good rocking song, like I didn't even pay attention to the lyrics until like probably. 15 listens in and i'm just like oh this is a very political song yeah uh so um i guess i can be kind of daft sometimes with the lyrics i just like enjoying the vibe so much that i don't even pay attention but then like other songs, it's just like so in your face that you can't do anything but pay attention to the You lyrics. were just
1: totally dancing. You didn't even hear any lyrics. You just heard the music I, and felt it. <laughs>
0: dude, I was. I, I still do. I, I, I rock out slash dance to that song almost every single time it comes on. Um, I need to see if I can do the Carlton to it. I haven't tried to yet, but um, I might make it work. <laughs>
1: You need to post that on TikTok or something.
0: I <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I need to ever post uh any any footage of me doing my dances. I enjoy it a lot. I'll do it at weddings, but I don't um I don't know how I'd feel about my house dancing. Um <laughs> be in <laughs> public. Um but yeah, this of Mine is just a great rock song. I think everybody probably if they're listening to this episode has has heard that one. Um let me see. Uh, I don't think I really had anything else on that one. Uh, no. Uh, what about Holden Poison? Uh, were you pretty strong on that? That's
1: that's like might be might be my favorite one, or at least it's one. How I said that Friday, um, I didn't really sit with the album and like dissect it or whatever because it was just kind of a thing where I I knew I wouldn't have the time to. But uh, when I was getting ready to work, I still wanted to listen to something on it. So other than uh, the three pre-release ones that we'd heard, I was like, all right, um, Holding Poison uh, sounds like a cool title, so I'll check it out. And I'm like, holy cow, that song just totally hit the spot for me for like the dance rock vibe thing that I had heard it described as. Mm-hmm. i like the little like even like the um the opening little part doo, 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 that almost has like that kind of percussion-y like you're talking about the block or something or whatever yeah, oh, there's definitely it's hard some. to describe that kind of percussion but it hooked me right away
0: yeah and the the guitar intro um they kind of have a similar guitar effect that i think it was garbage that used on one of their albums it kind of um it's very brief. Like it's just on the intro and then it goes into more traditional Foo fighters tuning, um, or, uh, whatever distortion added on it. But like the very beginning, there's something very nineties, uh, just for a second that I like a lot.
1: Hmm. I'm going to have to go back to that then too. And really just kind of, um, zero in on the, um, intro to see if I can pick
0: that up. Yeah. um, but I mean, it's definitely a it's, it's a fun one. It kind of no, that's not the right thing. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of something off *Wasted and Light* in a way, just, but not not at all a rip off of the one of those songs. It just kind of one of the. Hmm, I don't I don't know how to describe it. So I'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I like that song a good bit. Um, *Chasing Birds*. I will say, when it first came on, I was like snooze um and i i really wasn't big on it but of course as time has gone on i really dig it um and i'm very happy we get like a full-length song that's just beautiful and different because like on concrete and gold i remember we joked about it uh about a month ago or so um but t-shirt like i loved how it was just so basic and acoustic to start with just a kind of silly um (laughs) song and then like it does the whole um, kind of queen um, come in thing where there's uh, all the harmonies and stuff and it just rocking in your face and then it's like over in a minute and a half. And I'm like, why isn't there like an actual song? Like this is, it's not really a song that's kind of a intro. It's really what that is yeah. for, uh, for the album. Um, so I was glad this time we got a full just acoustic song on an album that I wasn't expecting anything acoustic other than waiting on a war.
1: I feel like uh, the Chasing Birds... Though like not to say it's a bad song at all. I feel like it should be um it should be moved up a couple to the middle, so it's like the breather right in the middle, maybe like the end of side A, or it should be the end of side B. So Mm -hmm. either push it back a song or up like two songs or something. I feel like so you kind of have that where I don't like I'm not good at like, you know, what's that album sequencing? or something mm-hmm. that's what it's called where they like order uh put the tracks in order but i feel like in the sequencing for me it should be at the end of one of the
0: sides no i agree it uh, it feels very bizarre um to go from a uh, medicine a midnight no of mine so energetic even holding poison and then now very mellow
1: and then you're and right back
0: to it or something it should be like right exactly right after yeah. that you go back to high energy it's very bizarre um But yeah, I don't know. It's just fun to get a full acoustic song uh, on there. And um, it does some more great vocals. And um, so the last track, Love Dies Young, it kind of, that one to me also kind of has an 80s vibe with the guitar tones. Um, It's, uh, I can't. Uh, I don't know, made me think of The Cure or something like that. And I'm, no particular Cure song, but like just the, mm. the sound a little bit. Um, but I like it a lot. Oh, no, that is a song that makes me think of uh, something in it makes me think of Matter of Time. I don't know why, but something with the way the f- song flows. Like musically, it sounds nothing like it or as far as um, style it does. It, but there's something, I think this is the drums. That's exactly what it is. It's the drums. Um, at times it's kind of got the similar vibe um
1: hmm. man that's one i need to go back that's like my favorite one but i need to go back to that again too um wasting light
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i wish i could better describe it because i can't um i need to, to, <laughs> to um i don't know get some more music knowledge of how like learning actually what guitar tones like what's the name of them and everything not that any of the listeners will be into that side of it either. I don't know, um, but but it's one of those things I have a hard time with. But yeah, that's a that's a fun song. It's um
1: um here's something that I thought about too that I was going to okay. mention. Um, I'd heard too that there's like a couple drum loops on the album. Like, how do you feel about that coming from um you being like a drummer and stuff like like how do you feel about that? Because I had heard that Taylor. He like didn't want to do anything with drum loops, but then he was kind of like talked into it and they put it on shame, shame.
0: Mm-hmm. When I first heard that, like uh, they were doing the tease the day before the song came out and it was like released nothing but the drum loop. And I was like, what the hell are they doing? No, no. What What are they, you know, uh I'm okay with it because they have real good, real, uh, real drum sounds on the song. Like, I am fine with digital drums on certain things, but I don't like it as the only percussion. Only, yeah. Unless it's like electronic music. So, yeah, if if it had been like electric and drums and that's the only percussion we got, I would not have been happy with it. And I would definitely understand Taylor's problem with it. Um, I was thinking earlier that I'm like, other than a few tracks, this is probably one of his least favorite albums because um, he doesn't get to add in his extra drums that he loves to uh, uh, because he loves getting the um, little high toms that he'll throw in some fills occasionally. And there's really not a place to do that on most of these songs.
1: Uh, Yeah. That's something too that you just like made me think of is like uh, seeing concrete and gold, like some of those songs live, like um, there were a few songs on the album uh, that didn't strike me as like, Oh wow. These are like cool songs until uh, they were done live, and then I kind of liked them um, a little bit more. So it's like I wonder how they're going to pull off some of this stuff live when they eventually do it. Like, like how you're talking about the fills and stuff. Mm-hmm. It'll be kind of interesting. Or it'll be something that they should do. I feel like they need another live DVD eventually because the last one was I a don't... couple of years ago.
0: Another like Ten the last... years now? Yeah. Uh yeah the uh let's see
1: uh, the Europe one right or the Wembley,
0: Wembley yeah that was that was their last one because they did back to back the Skin and Bones and then they did uh, Wembley like the next year, um yeah it's been weird to me as, as successful as Wasting Light was I would have thought there would have been another uh, DVD after that um but there hasn't been so yeah I, I definitely want more I hope they do another live stream like they did um after Shame Shame came out because I remember you watched that. I didn't get watching that one. Um, and I immediately regretted it because I um, wanted a new concert experience with them, and obviously we're not going to get that for a while. Um, it was kind of weird because,
1: uh, like, I bought it and I watched it, but it was kind of weird because, like, the Metallica thing, like, you saw that one, and mm-hmm. like you liked it as much as I did. Well, obviously we had an episode like, talking about it, but... They did it to where they had the fans on the screens and they were like like interacting with that and stuff. And even I've watched uh, the Jimmy Eat World one, which it was kind of diff. It wasn't what I wanted at first, but when I watched it, it made sense and it was kind of cool because like I wanted it more like the Metallica thing where it was actually live. But what Jimmy Eat World did was they were doing three live albums or um, they were doing three streams of albums where they performed it in their entirety but Mm. they weren't actually live streams they pre-recorded it and edited it and um, jim adkins the singer he had said that he was actually going through and mixing the audio so it was it would be like they were putting together a concert film or a music video or something it was more in that sense but i thought but then after i saw it i was like well this is something you wouldn't get to do in a concert setting. So I kind of appreciated how they kind of did something different than you wouldn't get otherwise. Um, but I feel right. like where I'm going with this is I feel like the Foo Fighters, they basically were just playing in a venue because I think it was what the Roxy or some club. And they basically just played in an empty concert venue. And Dave's like talking to the camera like he's talking to a a live audience. And it was just really like weird because you don't have anybody who you're like talking to interacting with. So it almost mm-hmm. seemed kind of like phony or something. It was just weird. Yeah. I remember you sent
0: me some kind of text about Dave talked too much during it or something like that. And I'm thinking, well, that's typical Dave. Um, yeah. He, um, like I know the skin and bones uh, when he goes on tangent several times in between things. Not that I would know anything about going on tangents. Not like I haven't done it. Fifteen times during this episode, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. I guess he was just
1: doing his like stage banter, but to no one Mm -hmm. or something. So so it was just kind (laughs) of weird. It's like okay, you can do it after one song, but now you're doing it after every single song to nobody. I don't know. It was just weird. But uh, it seemed kind of weird during the Metallica thing too. Like like where they started talking to people, but I'm like, well, in that sense, they hadn't performed in a year since that SNM two. And they had the budget or whatever to put all the screens in. So you might as well make it worthwhile for the people that are like watching it too. And they haven't really had that fan interaction either. So it kind of made sense in that setting. So I didn't really have a problem with it.
0: Yeah, I think that would have been so awesome to be one of those people that was able to yeah. interact with them. Um,
1: Unless you're auto and you're just like a <laughs> a still shot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was almost like they've like a picture of Otto uh, just sitting there. It's hilarious. And I love that. I think it was Lars that made a joke about Otto um, <laughs> during the live stream because he didn't ever move. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess that wraps up um, uh, Messed at Midnight uh, thoughts, unless you have any closing thoughts on it. Um, I have
1: one other closing thought. Uh, okay. That um, I had actually thought this before maybe a year ago or something and like i'm not a super fan of the first album from the foo fighters or or whatever but like there was something i thought of with how they kind of pushed themselves to do concrete and gold and then they kind of pushed themselves to do like more of like some kind of pop influences with greg kirsten on the last album i was like it seems like they don't do a lot of the fun, like, silly songs anymore, like uh, The One or, like, Stacked Actors or some of the early stuff, like Big Mm -hmm. Me. They don't do a lot of the silly stuff. And then here they come out with Medicine at Midnight, and I'm like, okay, now they're doing the silly stuff. Okay, so maybe they're just – I think these guys, they're just trying to do what they want to do and write songs that kind of entertain – them. So I don't think they're setting out to really like because I think I think one of my friends has sent me a text and he goes, Well, this album almost seems kind of forced uh for them. But I don't think it's forced. I think at this point they're so big that they don't have to do they could they could just pump out the same album over and over and over again. But I don't think they want to do that. They want to do something that kind of keeps them excited and interested. So it's like I can't hate the album cuz they're just having fun in the studio. Right. And it really comes through on this.
0: Yeah, and I think um now if I'd seen the album live, i might would feel differently, but I I think this Greg Kirsten production was I like this album better than I do Concrete and Gold. Um Oh, for as sure, a yeah. Uh so I, I don't know, maybe working on a second album with him, they kind of get their feel um kind yeah, of like they I think they, they were kind
1: of getting their feet wet maybe on the last one because mm. they probably couldn't go from like uh what is was it, wasting light and sonic highways to this. It was kind of this was like a I think that one was almost kind of like transitioning. Right. I'd almost put this in maybe in my top 5. I don't know. It's kind of like a just an initial gut reaction, but Mhm. If I was doing a top five list with you, like it it would be a strong contender just because it's so fun.
0: Right. Well, what would be your other ones? Not to put you on the spot too hard, but what, um, I know I did that last month yeah. uh, with Greg. Um, do you know what your top five would be? Um, like, I don't have any an, particular order. Um, like Wasting
1: just- Light would be number one. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know the order, but the other ones, I keep calling it the Bomb album. Right. Then One by One or the Heart album, I might have In Your Honor. And then, yeah, like I'd probably just say Medicine at Midnight.
0: Well, cool. Yeah, I was just curious. I uh, know um, I've done ranking of the albums twice, and it's kind of fun between uh, Greg and Russell. There were a lot of differences. And actually, you you align fairly well with uh, Greg minus the One by One. But anyway uh let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and like i said in the first half we're going to have some other current spins won't go as deep obviously into anything else but um just couldn't resist doing that on some foo fighters so um don't go anywhere we'll be right back Thanks for coming back to the second half of Sunday Groove. I didn't say it in the first half, but this is actually episode 32. Um, so we're going to go into some current spins, and I normally let the guests go first, but I'm going to s- skip that this time because I'm going to forget to mention this band if I don't start with it, because I didn't write <laughs> down anything about them. Um, oh, well, thanks, been... man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the Juliana Theory. I've talked about them several times on the uh, on the album, on the show before, it's, but it's been a while, and they um, had disappeared for a long time. And the only thing they would do was occasional um, reunion shows. Um, but and I remember I was almost went to go see them, or on a reunion show that got canceled, not because of COVID. It was actually maybe like two or three years ago. Um, and they canceled the tour or postponed the tour because they were feeling extra productive and had an album they were working on and then like nothing ever came of that. And so I really thought that would never happen. And then they announced a couple of shows, um, in 2020, uh, and that was like just New York and just, uh, LA. Um, And obviously COVID happened, so neither one of those shows happened yet. But apparently they've recorded, I think, a full album, and they just aren't telling people that. Um, But they um, have released two new tracks over the last few months. Um, And they have some... Let me see if it says on the bottom of this one. uh, No, it doesn't say on Spotify. I think it's Equal Vision as their record company now, which I've never even heard of them before. Um, but, um, yeah, um, but anyway, I'll just talk about the music. Uh, so they finally released two new tracks and it's so cool to hear new stuff from them and it's nothing like their old stuff. Um, and for some that might be a breaking point, but for me, I think because I've been gone so long and because I don't feel it would be authentic if they came back and did exactly the same thing, um because i know the lead singer he loves to change things up like after the band ended he did two country well kind of country americana albums um but anyway then the newest single is called better now and um if you look it up on youtube uh, it's got a really cool music video to it and uh i don't know uh the emotions are raw the emotions are really uh come through with the visuals of the music video because it's like storytelling kind of music video, um, but it's really cool. Um, if you know anybody that's ever struggled with mental illness or um, drug addiction, it definitely kind of targets both of those in that song. But it's a it's a very hopeful song. I love it. Um, it's a lot more electronic pop than I, or well, maybe not. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of electronic on that song than I ever would have thought from them. But it's really really good. Um, and so they have that one. Uh, and then they also have Can't Go Home, uh, which is also uh, very um, poppy and just kind of, it doesn't sound like a full band on that. I think the rest might have a full band on them, but don't know that for sure. But anyway, uh, just have to throw some love to Can't Go Home and Better Now because um, they're both very strong songs. Um, and I'm just curious to see what direction they go with with any other stuff. And I think it's cool they have a record label again because I, um, I know people can put stuff out independently, um, but it sometimes helps to have <laughs> a little bit of a budget behind things. Hmm. Um, is that a band you've ever listened to? The Juliana Theory?
1: No, like I know you've talked about them before and I just have never gotten into them, but maybe I'll have to right now because I feel like every time we're talking about music and you like talk about them, we're always kind of Hyped up about something else, so like I'm easily distracted sometimes, or I get down my own rabbit holes, but yeah, like um maybe we'll have to talk about that, like I think you had mentioned swapping albums there you mm-hmm. go you could you could have me listen to their album, and then I'll tell you um what I think about it,
0: yeah, cool, I might have to do because i I think um some of the older stuff, for sure, I think you would really really dig. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're really cool people. He, he's one of the few people musician wise, uh, Brett Detter, uh, that I actually got to hang out with like for oh, a cool. significant amount of time. Um, Sam and I saw them or not saw them, saw him on a solo tour and he was the opener and, um, we ran into him like right after he came off stage. Um, and he told us to come join him at, um, his merch table, uh, once he got set up. And so we gave him, like, 15 minutes or so, and then we went and just hung out for, like, 30 or 45 minutes. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, so (laughs) really cool dude. So I um, I don't know. That also adds to the enjoyment of it. But anyway, what is some of the new stuff that you've been digging?
1: Well, usually I try to keep the current spins, I think, just to, like, one um, because... Uh, like I don't want because I know we may have a main like topic like that We're going to talk about so I don't want to take away too much from that by listening to all this other stuff in the lead-up But um, I actually have two this time and so um, The first one is black Sabbath volume 4. Uh, it's an old album, but it got um, It got reissued yesterday uh, in like a deluxe Uh, package and I really 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 wanted to buy that but I'm trying to limit my album purchases this year because I bought too much last year I'm trying to cut back but uh it's really hard it's really hard not to buy this because uh they reissued the CD but then if you get uh, the LPs uh, there's like five um, LPs in the set because there's the original album that's remastered then they've got like a live concert from like 73 or something across two albums. And then another one is I think um, Steven Wilson from uh, Porcupine Tree. Um, I love that guy. He he writes some cool stuff, but he's also um, super hands-on with mixing and stuff. So he's had something to do with that reissue, so it intrigued me more. But um, for now, i am just been listening to uh, the um, remastered on my phone. And I've just been jamming out, just um, Black Sabbath. Uh, it's a, I don't know if you're totally familiar um, with a lot of Black Sabbath, but um, last year I went through all of their albums um, with Ozzy Osbourne, and I was talking to Brent about um, the original albums that they had in the '70s, mm-hmm. and it really like flipped my perspective because some stuff that I really liked and like um, the other stuff I put on the back burner, it's like now there's some albums that I wasn't attached to that I really like, and this volume four is one of those. And uh, it's got um, – I wanted to highlight a song that I think you you would really love, uh, Super Knot, if you haven't oh, heard yeah. it before. Because there's like – it almost sounds like Led Zeppelin-y. And there's a part mm-hmm. in the middle where they're just – He's just like, uh, um, Bill Ward's just like, he's just going nuts on the drums. And I was even doing like air drums, and I'm like, oh man, I could see Dave doing this.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's one of the few, um, from that era that I know. I, I, I look at the track list, and Supernaut and Snowblind were the two that stood out to me that I remember really yeah. digging. Um, cause I had the, um, early days, greatest hits, um, collection. So, um, but I, I never listened to the back half as much as I did the fr- front half. There was something about the er- uh, first couple albums, those songs that really, really grabbed me. But out, yeah, outside of the singles, I've never listened to like full-length albums of theirs. I need to. Uh, and actually, I'm going to. I just actually um, downloaded it on Spotify to remind me to listen to it later. Yeah,
1: another one that kind of stands out that you might like is at least like the first... Um, song. It's like, I think, um. Geez, I forget the uh, name of the song, but it's slash like the straightener because you know how some of those bands in the seventies always had two titles and it was slash something else,
0: <laughs> right? Um,
1: I, it's like something wheels maybe or something wheels like slash the straightener, and I think the straightener is just the two minute instrumental back half. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's just cool right there. I can just listen to the last two minutes like on the loop.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm looking at it, it's of confusion slash yeah. the straightener. Yeah, yeah, um, the
1: straightener. Whatever like that part is at the end, I think you're going to dig that part too. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, as much as I loved the um, the epic 80s uh, covers from Metallica, I definitely dig any time that's kind of almost like two songs within a song. Um I just always like love the aggression and then break it down with like a kind of classical metal and then go back to the aggression or I don't know. That's just a, a cool vibe. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely a little bit of Sabbath I've listened to. I definitely know how much they obviously inspired Metallica and bands like that. Um,
1: um so what's your are... next, uh, current spin.
0: Okay. Then... Uh, the next one I have, um, something I've been listening to a ton because as I've missed mentioned before, During this whole pandemic, I need a, just a dose of peppiness a lot of days. So a song that really falls into that is a song called Typhoons by, um, Royal, uh, Royal Blood and that is the danciest song they've ever put out. And like, just describing it that way, I thought I wouldn't like it, but I love it. Like it is just catchy as can be. Um so there's that one that I really like. No, I'm not trying to play it Although my phone. Just did play a second of it. Um, <laughs> what was the other Royal blood? Song? Uh trouble's coming. That's the other single from the new album, but yeah. I, I have those on several playlists. They're both a lot popular than the first two albums, but I think it's a fun direction for them to go with. Um, just um, yeah, like refresh
1: album. my memory. Isn't that like Royal blood? It's like two
0: guys, right? Sound like a full yes. band either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bassist uh, is the lead singer and he uses some kind of like distortion on the bass. So it honestly, he way he plays it. It sounds like it's a guitar, but it's actually him on bass. And then just a drummer. Yeah. Um, the way this album's done, I'm thinking they're going to have to at least have a third person with like keyboard or something to kind of add some of the other sounds. But um, yeah, they're, um, their British band came out in 2014 and their first album is pretty um, just straight ahead rock of just uh, like I said the bass uh, and drums but it, it works it works really well I'm going to have to like I'm writing that
1: down like right now to check those guys out again because I kind of fell off the radar with them because I I remember buying uh, their first album at least like digitally and liked it and then I just kind of forgot about them
0: Yeah, I also went through their second album recently um, and I was really digging it as well. So uh, just happy for more music from them. Uh, They're a lot of fun and uh, it's kind of kind of funny that um, they went with kind of a dance vibe with the new stuff, too. Um, But as long as it's well done, I'm I'm cool with it.
1: I think people like you're saying people just need something kind of upbeat right now. Mm hmm. So, I'm all for it.
0: Oh yeah. So what's what's your uh, next one?
1: Uh, my next one is one that I initially didn't have until yesterday. Um, I'm a fan of uh, Damon Johnson. He's he's been in a bunch of different bands over the years. Like he was in Brother Kane in the '90s. Then he played with Alice Cooper, and Thin Lizzy, and Black Star Riders. In the last couple of years, he's uh, been doing his own solo stuff. And, uh, so last year I got to talk to him and like interview him, um, when he was in town and he was saying he was working on a new album and, uh, I think it got delayed and stuff too, with everything going on in the world. And it's finally coming out, um, next week. And I pre-ordered it through his like fan camp uh Payne, I think it was Crowdfund or Indiegogo or something. And I pre ordered it like a long time ago as soon as he posted it. And uh he had slowly released a couple singles like pre-release stuff and then just uh Thursday I got an email through the um the Crowdfund mailing list where he said everybody who's uh who supported the campaign um I'm gonna give you the album um a week early digitally uh ahead of Uh, the cd release and the online release i was like oh my god that's pretty cool so i listened to that um um yesterday at work and this morning and his new album is called battle lessons and it's coming out next week on the 19th and uh um it is it's like a really solid like um um rock album it's another thing where it's like only nine songs like this foo fighters album we talked about but it's just, like, straightforward rock and roll for, like, a half hour, nine songs. And I'm really digging it.
0: Nice. Yeah, I remember enjoying his uh, interview that you did. And I think I listened to Brother Kane was the one that I listened to a good bit um, after hearing that interview. But that's been a while, so I don't have much memory of it.
1: Uh, um, One other thing, too, with the... um. Um, album release how he sent the um, or the email came out about uh, getting the download so yesterday along with the download link uh, there was something I printed out it was like bullet points where he basically uh, typed up a sentence about each like song and uh, I thought it was kind of interesting too there's one that um, in the interview I think he'd only written like one song at the time. And he mentioned something called like, he was telling me like, I got a song that I'm working on called Let the Healing Begin. And he's like, doesn't that sound like the coolest title? And I thought it was going to be at the time like a ballad or something. Like, you know, it would sound like uh, some kind of, I don't know, Steve Perry thing or something. But actually (laughs) it's like a straightforward like, um, it's a straightforward, like rock song. And even in his notes uh, for the Let the Healing Begin, it says, Wearing my 70s guitar influences proudly. Listen for um, Joe Walsh and Ace Fraley. Oh, nice. Uh, so it kind of threw me for a loop because I was thinking it was going to be a ballad. And then it's like a really hard um, um, rock song. And then there's two others that I really wanted to highlight. If anybody is going to check out this album, after it comes out, uh, there's a one like Shadow Country that's a really good song, and he says in his note uh, that it's inspired, uh, the title and story is inspired by a book um, of the same name by Peter uh, Matheson, so I might have to check out the lyrics when I get the um, um, album and maybe even read that to see what he's talking about, but then um, there's another one that was lightning bolt and that song's like real awesome too and it actually says in his notes it was like that was the first song that he wrote and it set the uh pace and tone of the album. So nice. I thought it was kinda cool you actually get notes because like sometimes I don't know about you, like buying albums like sometimes I wanna know I guess where their head's at or what they're thinking with writing it. And even sometimes I'm kinda let down if I buy like a remastered album I'm wanting liner
0: notes in it, and sometimes there's no liner notes. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm kind of let down by that. Yeah, we're in the, the days where it's um, – maybe on the vinyl releases, they might sometimes put more stuff into it. But I know CDs, it's really sad. Most of them – some of them don't even come with a booklet anymore. And it's like, man, that's was one of my favorite parts about it. Yeah, you um, just get a
1: cardboard sleeve or something.
0: Right. Yeah, I remember I would just like lay on my bed while I'm listening to albums and just – reading the lyrics and reading whatever stuff was on there at the time. So that is cool. Um, yeah. I, I, while you were talking, I looked up, I remember um, after that interview, I fell in love with and fools shine on by yes. uh, brother King. And that is yeah. so good. Um, I, was I think like, that's I the I'm first
1: a- song I heard from brother King too. Cause it's, it's weird. It was at the end of one of the Halloween movies. It might've been, halloween like the curse of michael myers and it had paul rudd in it and then that song's over the ending credits and that's the first time i
0: heard like brother kane
1: (laughs) so it's kind of weird that it was attached to like a horror movie like that
0: (laughs) it's funny to me uh, with paul rudd in it but of course i know he wasn't always a huge star so yeah heck what what did johnny Depp that was in one like the nightmare on elm street movies yeah he was in the Um, first one okay um so I guess you always have to get your start somewhere. It's just kind of funny to think of somebody that big in a horror movie. Um, oh, yeah, because I think this is totally
1: off topic, but like they're uh, they had kind of rebooted or um, like redone the Halloween movies. And I think they did another sequel a couple of years ago where they went back and erased like six movies and went and made a direct sequel to the first movie which I think they did 20 years ago anyways with the one with Jamie Lee Curtis and that uh, one guy from the teen shows, like mm-hmm. Josh something or whatever. That was the one where they re-erased all the movies before it too. So they'd done it before, but where I'm going with it was I saw something like where they're doing a sequel to the last one, and they're bringing back Paul Rudd's character, and they wanted him to reprise – his role but he's uh he was filming the ghostbusters movie at the time. Oh, okay. I just thought it was weird that they actually were going to like like have a callback to that and I think Anthony Michael Hall is playing this character now, which is kind of weird too cuz I haven't seen him in anything <laughs> in so long.
0: The last thing I saw him in was Psyche. He did uh a guest appearance for maybe one or two episodes.
1: Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, have you ever watched Psyche? Um, I saw some of the first couple seasons, I think it's, it's where the guy isn't really a psych, but, or a psychic, he's just really perceptive. Right. And he's almost kind of yes. like a, a cheat or something.
0: Yes. He he should have just, uh, I think his dad's
1: him. a cop, right? So that's how he kind of yeah. gets some of that knowledge of that stuff. But people think he's like, you know, spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's
0: so good at it. Um, I'm like, he really could have just gone to the Academy and been a legit cop, but instead he does his little shtick, his little <laughs> silly stuff. And it's very fun, um, but they love the eighties. So they have a lot of people like Ralph Macchio and other people show up on the show occasionally.
1: Oh, I saw, yeah. You just reminded me, I saw one with Ernie Hudson where not he, the other guys like dad. And then the mom from the Cosby show is his mom, yes. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's a, A lot of fun, but yeah, Anthony Michael Hall, that's the last thing I saw him in.
1: (laughs) It seems so random. Right.
0: So I guess I'll close out um, with uh, an album that I had been anticipating even before like I knew. I was really into the first couple singles um, and didn't know when the album was coming out and was so happy the other day when I saw it was dropping this week. But uh, the band The Pretty Reckless, have you ever gotten into them at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew they were working on something. It came out. Yes. It came out yesterday. Uh, it's called death by rock and roll. And I don't know that I've listened to any of their albums all the way through. I definitely have listened to a lot of their singles and dug it. Um, but listen to this album, probably maybe three times through now. Um, I, it is so good. Like it, is, um, it is top to bottom, like a good album. Um, and it's got such a fun mixture of, um, the straight ahead, you know, hard rock and everything. But then there's also some really beautiful moments, um, on there. Uh, like there's a song called got so high, um, that really kind of has a nineties vibe, um, like just kind of alternative pop rock kind of thing, which I wouldn't expect from her at all, but it's really good. Um, and then standing at the wall is a really pretty song. Um, but. Two of the biggest standout tracks, um, one that came out yesterday, well, obviously with the album, but they had not leaked this one yet. Only Love Can Save Me Now. And it's featuring Matt Cameron and Kim Tile, or however you say it, from Soundgarden. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. Like, that is a really awesome track. Um, Like, that is back to, like, good Soundgarden sounding uh, sound. And then yeah it works very well um so that one i've been just really jamming to kind of it's kind of funny did you listen to last soundgarden album when they put one out together like in 2012 or whatever yeah it was like king animal was that the name of the album yeah i think yeah to me i feel like this song might be better than most of the songs that were on there just like um i feel like they kind of struggled on that album to put a really good album out. Um, but uh, this definitely shows they still have a lot of good songwriting um, left in them. So hopefully they can figure out a side project where uh, Kim Tyle can do, or maybe he is already doing one that I'm not aware of. Um, but yeah, I was just shocked how much I dug this album. Uh, there was the other one I'll mention for rock lovers is, and so it went and that one's actually featuring Tom Morello. Um, hmm. But it's not Tom doing all his sound effect things that he does sometimes. Um, It's just like hard rock and it's really good.
1: Huh. I'll have to check that out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the last thing I'll mention about this song, the album is the song 25. I'm not crazy about the lyrics, but it is such a fun rock song. And then like in the middle of it, she kind of does a little breakdown that either reminds me of like a little bit of Beatles, a little bit of queen, just kind of like a little interlude in there that, of almost doesn't fit the song but it's so cool for it to happen and then go back to the regular vibe of the song so I don't know I, I like it I'll probably actually officially you know actually buy this one um, because I I really really dig it um,
1: and I lied I,
0: I'm not going to close with that I had one <laughs> other that I Psych. did not know about until maybe a week or two ago Um but uh wolfgang van helen he apparently has a, a band now and it's called mammoth and i didn't know much about wolfgang i mean i, I met him real quick uh when he toured with tremani as the bassist oh, on cool. the first album yeah uh so i met him then and i think he even recorded the second tremani album but just didn't tour it because uh, van helen was doing a tour at that time but like i just knew him as a bassist i didn't know he actually could sing and uh um Sure didn't know anything about him doing a band, but um, yeah, it's uh, apparently he's dropping the album, I think in June, but there's a song called Distance that is really good. Um, so um, and it's, I think it's featuring uh, the drummer from uh, the first couple of Tremonti albums, albums, uh, Garrett. I cannot think of his Whitlock, um, but so I'm expecting some really killer drums on that because he oh, is a very hell, intense yeah. drummer.
1: I want to say too, it might have Frank Sidoris from um, Slash and the Conspirators. He might be doing something with that too, because I want to say uh, that I've seen some posts about that recently. And I don't follow uh, that Garrett Whitlock, but I follow some of the Alterbridge guys and stuff, and uh, some of the Slash guys. And I think, I think a couple of them have. Uh, um, shared some stuff and I think he debuted that song on a talk show. So I have been
0: Yes. I think I meant Kim to circle back.
1: Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, like I'm gonna have to uh check that out too after we get done recording. So I got a long list now. Thanks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, it's um It was just like I said, I, I uh was a very unexpected thing and I think it's really cool. And I think it's really cool that he's able to go ahead and go forward with music at this point because i figured he'd still maybe have a tough time with that just because of his father just dying very very recently uh what was it like five or six months ago maybe yeah it was like october
1: but maybe it's therapeutic for him and maybe it was already in the works too who knows
0: i imagine it was yeah um
1: yeah it seems like a while ago now yeah because i think it was like mid-october
0: okay all the months run together. So I have a hard time remembering how long anything is these days. Um, But yeah, um, I could go on more, but I don't need to. So I, that's the stuff I'm most obsessed with. Um, um, I don't know what my next episode will be. I haven't planned that far ahead, but definitely we'll continue the once a month uh, thing. And this one will probably come out a little sooner than once a month. uh, Just that I was so excited to talk this album. But, um, obviously I'll be back next month. Uh, let me give you my social media things real quick. So if you want to reach out, um, so my computer, it's, uh, at Sunday underscore groove underscore on Twitter and Sunday groove dot Lilo on Instagram. Um, if you want to follow the feed I'm on, uh, the Lilo podcast and network, um, we are crap messed up uh, we're at Lilo Podcast on Twitter um, so far there's just uh, Sunday Groove and DC for you on there right now uh, with new episodes but uh, most recently Russell and Todd just dropped a Superman episode uh, I think yesterday or the day before so uh, check that out and come back next month to uh, listen to more music so um, Andy thanks for joining me man Uh, Thanks for having me back. Of course. And I will catch y'all all down the road.